0: everybody, welcome to the Large Nerdron Collider, the podcast that's all about the geeky things happening in the world around us and how very excited we are about them. I'm Ariel Casting, and with me as always is the delightful Jonathan Strickland.
1: Jazz hands!
0: Jazz hands! I I can't see your jazz hands, Jonathan.
1: Yeah, I can't see your jazz hands either. We discovered that if we turn our cameras off that we have slightly fewer technical issues, but it does mean that... (laughs) Even the visual gags we referenced and you couldn't enjoy previously, we can't do anymore because, well, we can. It's just now we're all in the same boat.
0: Listen, listen, (laughs) uh, I'm going to work on a way for us to either both record our video locally or uh, I'm going to get an extender up to my new recording space, which is super awesome, uh, so that we can maybe get some video clips because they're fun.
1: Or maybe, this is crazy, maybe... I'll make it a point on Fridays to journey across the city and we'll record in the what? same place at the same time.
0: Listen, that's like an, like, that's an epic trek for you.
1: It's, I mean, it's significant, but it's you know worth doing, right? Like, uh, and, and besides which, it would be one of those lovely things where we wouldn't have to ever worry about there being dead air between the two of us. <laughs> and I wouldn't have to take out these little tiny gaps in our audio because... Uh, there's always like slight lag from our online recording. This is all stuff that our listeners care nothing about because I tried my best to take it all out before they get a chance to listen to it.
0: That's fine. Do we want to start again?
1: No, 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 no. They're going to suffer through it because sometimes, (laughs) sometimes you have to, you have to take your medicine Before you're able to get the treat. So that was the medicine part. And your treat (laughs) is 30 seconds or less.
0: All right. So uh, I'm going to start off 30 seconds or less with news about Violet Night 2. Yes, that movie that so many people loved and I thought was just okay the not quite die hard not quite home alone much more violent and a lot less moral Christmas special is getting a sequel written by the Sonic writers again um, they're going to go, they're going to pick up a lot of uh, storyline that I thought needed to be expounded upon in the first movie so maybe this second movie I'll like more
1: yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't hold your breath but mm. yeah I'll also. You know, they were fully <laughs> ready to admit they they got the uh, the deal for a sequel before they even had any notion of what a sequel might look like.
0: Yes. But but I mean, one of my big com- one, I had many big complaints about the movie and one of it was just like they had all these little story tidbits that were not fleshed out. Fleshed yeah. Out, fleshed yeah. Out.
1: And there's a lot of like Santa lore that they didn't really get a chance to touch on that they yeah. would probably come into play. I think, honestly, because you said that, uh, like, and a lot of people said that Violent Night was a lot like Die Hard. The Violent Knight 2 should just be a lot like Die Hard 2.
0: <laughs> I mean, uh, honestly, if it could be more like Die Hard or Die Hard 2 than uh, than what it was, I would be happy.
1: Well, uh, next up is one of mine, and I'm going to start now. And it's that Lord of the Rings fans rejoice because starting February 1st, you will be able to watch all three of Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings films on Netflix. That's right. Those three movies are coming back to Netflix. Interesting thing. They've all been on Netflix before, but never simultaneously. So this will be the first time that you'll be able to do a Lord of the Rings marathon on Netflix. And I'm done.
0: Yes. All right. Next, we have uh, news about the reboot sequel to Frasier. Uh, Yes, not Brennan Frasier, but Frasier, the the '90s sitcom with Kelsey Grammer and uh, don't remember who played Niles. Anyhow, now David Hyde Pierce. David Hyde Pierce, yes, who will not be back for the sequel. But now, uh, it's kind of about their kids and a generational gap between father and son. Um, they've announced who some of the kids are going to be, including newcomer Anders Keith, uh, as well as, uh, Jess Salegio from, I, I, S- Salguerio, I don't want to mispronounce her name too poorly, uh, who was in, um, why the last man will be joining the cast. Uh, the premise sounds pretty cute. It sounds kind of like a mix between a different world and Fraser, And so I'm fine with it.
1: Yeah. Me too. I think I think it's good that they're taking like Frasier was very different from Cheers. Mm -hmm. And I think it's good for this series, which will feature the same character, but will also be very different from the two that came before it. And I think that's a good thing. Yes. Um,
0: I I mean, unlike Night Court, which is just the the reboot, it's just Night Court and I enjoy it.
1: But yeah, I haven't I haven't watched that. We'll have to chat about some stuff we watched uh, when we get through this section. Yes. So up next is one of mine and I'm going to go. If you had visited Disney World, specifically Epcot over the last, say, year and a half, you've seen like this massive open pit in what used to be the future world section of Epcot. And it's because they're doing this massive, massive change to the front half of Epcot. And uh, now the goddess Tafiti from Moana or well, Tafiti from mythology, but featured in Moana has taken shape as part of the Journey of Water, which will be a walkthrough attraction that opens later this year.
0: Nice. I'm I'm glad we might eventually get an open Epcot again. It's been a while.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been like the last, I think, three times I've been. So I used to be an annual pass holder. I am not anymore um, just because I couldn't really justify the expense. I wasn't going enough to justify it so uh anyway the last three times i went to epcot there were just so many barrier walls up because there's just tons and tons of construction and if you ride the monorail into epcot it takes you on a loop where you know i mean there's no hiding it you just see this massive open Mm -hmm. area of construction and now at least they have some of the structures like we've been waiting for months and months for these things to start to come together. And it seems like they're really rapidly coming together right now. Yeah. And, um, and I love Moana. I- I'm not a huge fan of bringing more Disney IP into Epcot. I know this has gone way over 30 seconds and I'm sorry, but <laughs> it's okay. I'm not a huge fan of bringing more Disney IP into Epcot because that's not really what Epcot was meant to do, but mm-hmm. things change. Things evolve over yeah. time. You got to accept it. And uh, I am glad to see Moana get featured in Disney parks because I I really like that, that movie.
0: I think so too. And while I also prefer Epcot to remain like innovational and uh, cultural, although they could improve their cultural expanse. um, I, I feel like Moana at least fits in with the theme of the seas and the land and all that stuff. So it's not completely out of left field. Because yeah. it is going to be the journey of water, which is all scientific, which is a little bit at like Epcot. So,
1: yeah, it kind of fits in with some of the themes like the life pavilion and the mm-hmm. which doesn't exist anymore, but used to and the land yeah. pavilion, that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. Um, OK, on to my next story, which uh, I had to open up the article just to make sure I got everything right. And there is this trailer for M3 again playing. Well, now it's. Uh, Yes, it's just a bunch of trailers and it needs to stop. Uh, So it's not distracting me. Okay, here we go. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, we talked about a new show coming to Netflix, Lockwood and Co. that was done by the same person who made Attack the Block, which was a movie that I haven't seen but uh, really want to and Jonathan really liked. Now they are making Attack the Block 2. John Boyega is coming back and they are, while the first one was low budget, a low budget indie that really took off the second one they're like aiming for terminator 2 and aliens as far as uh feel and popularity so i really hope they do it um joe cornish makes really fun media and i look forward to watching the original and the sequel
1: yeah and i i you know the i don't know exactly how to take the terminator 2 and aliens you could say all right well clearly both Aliens and Terminator 2 were much larger budget films than the first film in the series. Another thing you could say is both Aliens and Terminator 2 had a different tone, almost to the point of being different genres from the first films in the series, especially Aliens, right? Alien is really a horror movie. Aliens is really more of an action movie. And I kind of like that idea, too. I kind of like the idea yeah. of Attack the Block 2, not only being bigger, but maybe having a slightly different tone. And the first film tackles some social issues. I imagine the second film will have to do that as well. And not in a heavy handed way. It's just woven into the story.
0: Yeah, they did a lot of research and a, they put a lot of effort into. Making it cohesive and uh, flow well, so and that, you know, is apparent. Yeah,
1: yeah. All right. My last one. Here we go. A sad day because news that we figured was coming finally broke that Titans and Doom Patrol are both going to have season four be their final seasons, respectively. Uh, somewhat fortunately, the show creators kind of felt like this was going to be the way it was going to go to and had sort of prepared that so that the, the back half of season four could wrap up storyline so that we get a definitive end. So at least we're going to have that and not just to have it cut off at a cliffhanger.
0: Yeah. Okay. I told I warned Jonathan I was going to have something to add to this because you all know I love Doom Patrol. I I don't really like Titans, but I love Doom Patrol and I'm sad to see it end. I'm glad they're able to end it. But a bunch of people have been throwing a lot of fire at James Gunn because, of course, all of the DC stuff that they like that is stopping they're upset at James Gunn about the decision to cancel doom patrol and Titans apparently came before he took over the reins. It just hadn't been announced. So, um, you know, and, and my husband, I was chatting with my husband about it a little bit. Cause I was, I'm super sad. I really like the show and I know people who work on the show and love it. Um, but uh, my
1: sister worked on the your, show. Your
0: sister worked on the show as well as some other artsy folk. Uh, but What I will say is he told me, hey, if James Gunn is rebooting all of these universes and they need actors for all of these new roles, then view it as another opportunity for you to get an acting job. So, uh, you know, everybody spam James Gunn and tell him I should be big, big Bertha.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and yeah, another thing is that we might, you know, we've already seen word of him potentially using actors who were in previous DC properties populate the new version of DC uh, but as totally different characters and that is kind of interesting too and yeah. it was one of those ideas that took me a while to kind of come around on but honestly like just look at Chris Evans the dude has played like half of the superheroes out there it's just yeah. we just associate <laughs> him with Captain America so yeah. it should be fine
0: yeah i agree i agree but if you are uh hey i'm going into the last 30 seconds if you are looking for some more uh dc stuff to indulge on while your old favorites are going away we're getting a new animated uh movie legion not the one we talked about last week but another one legion of superheroes uh a clip has been released on youtube of it it looks absolutely adorable uh if you like i watch supergirl and didn't get the resolution of a Brainiac Supergirl romance like you wanted. uh, It looks like they're toying with that in this release to Blu-ray animated feature.
1: Cool. Well, and that is our 30 seconds or less. It only lasted 13 minutes. So I think we did a good (laughs) job. Uh, Hey,
0: you you win some and you lose some.
1: (laughs) To be be honest, y'all, like moments before we started recording, we made the executive decision to move a story out of 30 seconds or less because we knew that we were going to go on about it way longer than anything we just discussed. And
0: and like the first, what five, six minutes of this was intro and then talking about how you can't see our jazz hands, which is entirely pertinent to geek culture.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, come on theater geeks. We, we jazz hands are sacred. Uh, True. Before we get into all the news, one of the things we wanted to kind of touch base on was that, you know, last week I talked about how I had watched the first episode of Last of Us and it absolutely destroyed me partly because I was anticipating what was coming because I had played the game. Uh, I watched the the second episode and uh, that one did not destroy me. Uh, I enjoyed it. I, and there are some significant changes from what happens in the game and I think for the purposes of this version of the story, all the changes worked. Like the thing that I find um, phenomenal is that this is an adaptation that continues to be a really good adaptation of a video game, which is a rare thing to say. But now Ariel has seen what just the first episode so far,
0: just the first episode because it's so long.
1: Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> the second episode does not last an hour and a half. It is no. closer to an hour, but yeah, that first episode, I think originally, they had talked about it being two episodes, but it was hard to figure out where to put a break. Well,
0: and, and also I, I will say, especially for shows where, because I'm actually watching this and then I have a group watch that my friends started during the pandemic where we get together once a week online and watch group watch of shows. We've started hunters uh, on Amazon. Um, and when you have a show, both of these shows have kind of uh, difficult beginnings and difficult setups And they need them, right? Because that's what sets the tone and and the conflict for the show. If you break it up into multiple episodes, you might, like you said, if the second episode was just as hard, you probably wouldn't continue watching Last of Us, right?
1: Well, I definitely would be thinking about backing out for my own mental health. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because like I've had friends who said that they are afraid to even start the show because while they thought the video game was brilliant, they weren't happy playing it they were miserable at the things they had to keep doing and they don't want to relive it. Um,
1: but I mean, that's fair because no spoilers, but it's not like, it's not like the, the terrible, terrible thing that starts the whole series is the only terrible thing. No. <laughs> there are a lot of other ones, including a, a very pivotal one that I'm not looking forward to.
0: So I, I'm sure that's coming. What I will say, having watched the first episode is one brilliant acting, brilliant uh cinematography i think that the balance of of scary horror tense suspense sorrow all that thing all the things you expect with last of us are very well balanced with v- super relatable moments that are lovable um i didn't know what the heart not playing the video game and not looking at spoilers for once. uh, I decided I was going to tough it through so I could give an honest reaction to what happened. Honestly, it was, I teared up a little bit when the hard moment came in the first episode, but very briefly, and I was over it. And I, like, I knew something was going to happen, and I figured out what character or characters, if you aren't familiar, I don't want to spoil it too much, it was going to happen too. But when it happened, I was surprised. It's not what I expected. And because of that, I think it was easier for me. I didn't have the same, like, mortification going through the first episode that you've expressed, Jonathan.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think part of it is that the unexpected way that it happens. Uh, so when I was playing the game, obviously I had no I had no idea of what was going to happen. I didn't know that, mm-hmm. you know, how this was going to affect characters. I just assumed that things were going to be hunky-dory okay for, for certain people. And it turned out that was very much not what was going to happen. And the way that the the hard moment unfolds. I know we're talking super vague, but again, this is one of those things that if you want to see it, you need to see it with like with the ability to discover it. Mm -hmm. Um, But the way it unfolds to me, it even hit harder because uh, not to give too much away, but the unnecessary nature of it all made it much more tragic. And if you also think about that in terms of, things that have happened in our own world over the last Mm -hmm. 10 years, like unnecessary tragedies that have happened, uh, it hits super hard Uh, because you're, you're sitting there thinking like this was, this was so avoidable, not, not on the protagonist's part. They couldn't avoid it, Mm -hmm. but the other party, it was so avoidable. And it it's, it's like I say, you know, it's like when you, when you know, the outcome of a tragedy and you're watching the thing unfold, you're wishing so hard for anything else to happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're like, Could, please change it. Please have them change it right now in the script. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> um,
1: somehow, somehow the thing that's already been shot, have that change right now. <laughs> listen,
0: I I have legitimately thought that like, as I'm watching movies before.
1: Well, same here. Yeah. I mean, as I've been as I've watched movies I have already seen and I'm watching it a second time, I'm sitting there thinking that.
0: But um, but it is really interesting. Like I said, I quite enjoyed the first episode. I'm looking forward to getting to the second. I know there are going to be hard things. I feel like it's more balanced and the people are more personable than, let's say, The Walking Dead.
1: Yeah, yeah. And Um, and and also understanding why people are the way they you I mean you specifically understand why Joel is the way he is Mm -hmm. like you understand (laughs) yeah he's he's the one that Pedro Pascal plays and um and you understand why he is the way he is and you might not agree with all of his decisions but you understand why he's making them the way he is
0: yeah which okay I gotta I gotta make a slight aside and then I'm gonna get back I'm gonna get back to this uh There was an interview on TikTok because yeah, I I do the TikToks, uh, with uh the the Pedro Pascal and then the actress who plays a girl whose name is escaping me at the moment, but uh,
1: Bella I think is something yeah I know uh, you're talking about.
0: But they were talking about how people were calling Pedro Pascal a zaddy, which is, you know, (laughs) like a sexy daddy, but older. He's not old enough to be a zaddy. He's only 47. And like, even when I was young, I was like, for me, zaddies were like mid 50s to 60s. So y'all just give him give him some grace. He's still pretty young.
1: Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that means I'm also not in zaddy territory yet. So y'all just calm yourselves down.
0: Uh, But it is also interesting because like I said, I'm watching Hunters, which we talked about uh, in an episode a long time ago when the first season came out it's an Amazon streaming show about um, basically uh, people who hunt and stop and kill Nazis in the seventies. It's a, it is super well done. It's a, but it's very dark and it's very hard to watch. And there's a lot of crassness in it because of the subject matter and, there and things like that so i actually as much as i enjoy that show and i think it's telling a good story the first two episodes are largely set up um and i think every episode's gonna kind of be that way because it's plots unfolding and subterfuge unfolding as it happens uh i find last of us easier to watch because it's fictional yeah (laughs) more fictional
1: yeah 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 there's There were actual Nazis, and uh, honestly, there still are today, like people at least who align themselves with the Nazi uh, philosophy. Uh, But as far as we are aware, there are no fungal zombies running (laughs) around. Not human ones anyway. Yes, but not humans.
0: Knock on wood, Jonathan. Yeah. Knock on wood.
1: I mean, like, I haven't checked the news since we started recording, but I'm just I'm maintaining some optimism here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I've also watched Night Court and if you just need something completely silly, I don't remember if I talked about this last week. It's dumb fun. It is literally just a reboot of Night Court. I, I think I did talk about it. So yeah, if you watch The Last of Us or Hunters or anything else and you're like, I just need something fun, go and watch Night Court. It's ad- adorable.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I still, cause I don't have, that's, that's on, um, Peacock, right?
0: It's on Peacock, but, uh, you can watch it on Hulu. Uh,
1: yeah those are two things I do not have access to right now so (laughs) so once again my lack of access has meant that I am not watching certain programming but I've seen little clips and and I get it like it does feel an awful lot like Nightcore which is interesting because I'm curious how well it's doing because that style of humor it it gets a little more than a little corny like it's like that super corny sitcom style from the eighties and early Mm nineties. And I'm not sure. I mean, maybe that flies fine today. I, I don't really have a a gauge for that. I mean, Fuller house was a thing. So maybe
0: Fuller house is a thing during the pandemic uh, family matters had a huge resurgence. So, uh, you know, I, I think, I think it's just sometimes people need happy, fun, slightly mindless, entertaining media.
1: Yeah. I I I mean I certainly do on occasion. Yeah. I there there's a reason why uh, I will fall back on watching old episodes of Community, and it's because uh, sometimes I need some Troy and Abed in the morning.
0: Shoot, I still need to watch. I've watched one more episode since we said the community movie is coming yeah, out. i got to get on this. You've got a
1: lot of episodes to get through before <laughs> this summer then, don't you? Well, I, 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 I think they actually said they were going to start shooting it this summer. So yeah. you still have a little more time.
0: I, I do, and which is good because I still have all those Apple TV shows that we want to watch and talk about. Uh, one of which we're going to talk about later in this episode. So let's get back into some, some news that we have a little bit more to say on than our supposed 30 seconds or less.
1: Yeah, and first up is, I'm sure a lot of people, anyone who's a fan of Rick and Morty has certainly heard about this, but this was one that was really in the news big time this week. Earlier this week, we thought we would touch on it, which is Justin Roiland, uh, co-creator of Rick and Morty along with like Dan Harmon was speaking of community. He was a, he was the guy behind community, mm-hmm. Dan Harmon, not, not Justin Roiland. Mm-hmm. Justin Roiland has been essentially fired from Rick and Morty as well as from Squanch games, which is the game studio that put out things like a uh, uh, high on life. The recent first person shooter that was kind of a hit got on game pass and got really popular. He's the one who does the voices for both Rick and Morty. So he's got that very like he, he does a ton of different character voices for the show and for those games. Uh, the reason for the firing is because of allegations of domestic abuse, sexual harassment, lots of really disturbing stuff that has been coming out over the last week or two weeks. Uh, terrible, terrible things for anyone to do. So I think that these Organizations and shows and games and all this kind of stuff. I think they're all doing the right thing in cutting off their connection with him, mm-hmm. because uh, I mean the, these these sort of properties are what gave him a lot of the power to pursue these sorts of of bad choices that have caused who knows how much trauma to his victims. So terrible thing to hear, and I'm sure there are a lot of Rick and Morty fans because. Those are the most reasonable people on the planet. I'm sure there are a lot of Rick and Morty plant uh, fans out there who are up in arms about this, but come on y'all. I mean, this is a legit reason to part ways with somebody.
0: Yes. Yes. I agree. I agree. Um, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how everything turns out based on well, that.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm not a they, fan of Rick and Morty. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, I enjoyed Rick and Morty. Uh, it is, a hard show to watch on occasion because it does have it. It does dance a lot around nihilism where you just have like nothing means anything. And so why worry about anything? Like mm-hmm. why even bother putting forth an effort? Because if nothing means nothing, then nothing you do matters. There, it doesn't matter if you do a good impact or a bad impact. Nothing means nothing in the long run. I'm like, that's so bleak that I don't think <laughs> I can stick with it for very long. Yeah. Uh Individual episodes can be really entertaining, and I did watch, I think, the first two seasons, but I fell off after that. It is interesting to know that the show is going to continue without him, which means that these characters are all going to be voiced by different people in the future. We don't know who. um, So I guess if you do a really good Morty, you should audition.
0: If you if you can get one. There are lots of people who are really good at just doing impressions. I, I think you probably won't even be able to tell when it actually comes down to it that someone else replaced him.
1: Yeah, a uh, friend of the show, uh, Shay, <laughs> uh, told me that I should do it because I could do a good Rick and Morty. And I said, I could maybe do a Morty, but I definitely can't do a Rick because I can't burp on command, let alone right in the middle of, you know, select words.
0: You see, it's for me, Rick and Morty, it's even less the nihilism and more it's just gross. I don't like gross <laughs> I don't like gross cartoons. We we all know this. It's not it's not yeah, we new. talked
1: about it last week.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh so uh let's let's go from you know, you know what is not gross? All of the animated feature films nominated for Oscars.
1: Yeah, the Oscars, <laughs> those are gross. But the films that were nominated yes. <laughs> for Oscars are not gross. No, everyone knows that I don't like awards, but um yeah. yeah, we wanted to talk a little bit about some of the these things that were nominated for the Oscars because uh, there's some geek properties that are represented in some of the nominations.
0: Yeah. In fact, I think that every everything everywhere all at once might have the most nominations of all all the movies this year.
1: Yeah, I think they have 11, which makes them puts them in the lead.
0: Yeah. Uh, and also uh, nominated are uh, The Whale, which is not a geeky movie, but it's got Brendan Fraser. So it automatic- Fraser, yeah, you're right. Sorry, <laughs> Brendan Fraser. Uh, so automatically, I I'm rooting for him. Um, it's got Black Panthers nominated. Uh, yeah, just, Angela
1: Angela Bassett scored a, a nomination for actress in a supporting role for Wakanda yeah. Forever, which I still haven't seen. Eh? But it's coming to Disney Plus like in yes. next week, so I'll yes. I'll watch it soon.
0: And if you haven't watched everything everywhere all at once, it's on Showtime, or you can uh, actually some theaters are are playing it right now. So like you go to the Plaza the Theater and watch it right yeah. now if you want. I, I bought the
1: four K Blu Ray to that without ever having seen the movie, and I was so delighted by it. It was one of those things <laughs> where I'm like, gosh, I sure hope. But you know, like the cost of a DVD, it's less. Than what it would have cost me to buy two movie tickets, right? So yeah. uh, it, it's hard to get over. It's just that you own it forever, right? <laughs> You're like, yeah, I hope I like this, but no, I really liked it. It's really a charming, fun, uh, and, and original film,
0: mm-hmm. and low budget. Like that's that's the great thing. It, it was doesn't
1: low- it doesn't look like it though. That's what's no. great.
0: I mean, neither did what was District Nine. District Nine blew me away, and that that was also lower budget and an unknown director at the time. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, and the Oscars do like artsy things and things that harken back to, to Hollywood Hence, the I haven't watched the Fable men's. Maybe it's amazing, but it's definitely about young kids in Hollywood and that it's got a bunch of nominations. Yeah. Um,
1: Yeah. There's a, there's an ongoing joke that if you want to get nominated for an Oscar, just make a movie about making movies and that will do it because it's so, um, I was going to use one word, but instead I'll say self-congratulatory, which is a nicer yeah. way of saying what I was going to say.
0: <laughs> it's really interesting to me because usually under animated feature film, we have like two Pixar movies, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We
0: technically have two Disney movies this year that are nominated, but one of them got very little uh, turning red, got, you know, very little publicity and Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio doesn't exactly scream disney although i think it is it can you watch it on disney or just netflix Netflix? i I
1: don't think guillermo del toro's is disney at all all. yeah you're right
0: so so yeah so disney only has turning red the others are guillermo del toro's pinocchio marcel the shell with shoes on which is lovely because how delightful uh puss in boots the last wish and the sea beast
1: yeah yeah i really like turning red though i mean yeah I, i don't know that it's oscar worthy but it is a very entertaining and charming film i agree and um and abby is my favorite character (laughs) she's so much fun (laughs) though she be little she is fierce
0: (laughs) yes uh it is interesting because when you go down to best picture there are movies listed that it's like did they have to put this movie on the list because they have no other uh they have no other uh nominations Nominations, yeah anywhere um
1: but you, so. you also have things like Avatar. The way of water is one of the nominees for best picture everywhere. Uh, Everything everywhere. All at once is also nominated for best picture. Top Gun Maverick has mm-hmm. been nominated for best picture, which if you had told me back in the eighties after top gun came out that, you know, like 30 more years later, you're going to get a sequel to this and they'll be nominated for an Academy award for best picture. I would have thought you were insane. So
0: I liked Top Gun back when I watched it. I barely remember it. I I haven't watched the new one, but uh, apparently a lot of people liked it. So
1: I know that. Uh, yeah. I mean, I heard a lot of people really enjoy that movie. I still haven't seen it. And I have a feeling that by the time I do see it, I won't really appreciate it because yeah. It definitely feels like it was the kind of movie that was made for the theatrical experience.
0: Yeah. Uh, I've got a question for you. Elvis Mm -hmm. is also nominated for best picture and a couple other things. Uh, Does a Baz Luhrmann movie about a music artist count as geekdom? I mean. uh, Everything's geeky to somebody.
1: Baz Luhrmann. Well, first, yes. But secondly, Baz Luhrmann, I think, has a devoted following of of uh, former and current theater kids. Mm-hmm. because of Baz Luhrmann's other work like Moulin Rouge and Romeo and Juliet. Uh, so maybe I have never liked Baz Luhrmann's style. Uh, it is just, it is not, uh, it doesn't appeal to me. I'm not saying it's bad. That's not what I mean. I mean that I find it unappealing personally. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I haven't sought out this film at all. Like I didn't have any interest in seeing it because unless Baz Luhrmann's style has changed dramatically. I don't know that I could really stomach the thought of watching an entire film.
0: Yeah. Uh, A couple other geeky movies that got nominations. Uh, I agree with you on Baz Luhrmann. Uh, Sorry. I like, that's, (laughs) that's how I feel about Baz Luhrmann. My mind already went off to something else. The Batman got nominated for uh, music, which of all the things in the Batman, that's what I liked the best. And, uh, Class onion got uh nominated for adapted screenplay so. and, sound.
1: and sound and sound as well which which you know like the sound design in the batman was yeah very very good agree, uh whereas yeah. avatar the way of water i didn't like the sound in that everything sounded wet
0: that was a joke
1: yeah because i haven't seen avatar okay <laughs>
0: me a second i was like did you see it and you didn't tell me i'm gonna be very cross at you Jonathan.
1: No, of course not like yeah, well, how mean, dare
0: you not tell me everything that you do
1: yeah. <laughs> and plus if i went to see it i still haven't seen the first one so i'd mostly be going there thinking like oh this is just like that ride at uh animal kingdom where i have no idea what the hell is happening it's pretty but i have no context and so it means nothing to me
0: on a on a recent episode of the Bam, Justin McElroy talks about going to see Avatar with the way of water. And it's hilarious. Uh, if you're also a Bim Bam fam, you should watch it.
1: Yes, he, uh, he, he might have done it while while perhaps aided by uh, medicinal um, things.
0: Yes. Uh, <laughs> anyhow, uh, that's how you get things like the Razzie Awards, which we're going to yes. talk about next.
1: Yeah, so the the Razzies, and if you're not familiar, the Razzies are uh, kind of a tongue-in-cheek, uh, quote-unquote awards show where the this group of folks pick out the worst of stuff to come out in Hollywood. So, a a film that is just a complete train wreck could get nominated for a Razzie. Worst performance is a category. Mm-hmm. It's you know. It's meant to make fun of misfires, essentially. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, like it's uh, in fact, in a lot of cases, it can be a, a a high profile, big budget film that just didn't work for whatever reason. Uh, I have not always agreed with some of the Razzie's nominations. Uh, I felt that in some cases I thought, wow, you're being unfair because this movie was meant to be kind mm-hmm. of a a send up or something like it wasn't meant to be taken seriously and yeah. to hold it to that is unfair but there's a different objection this year
0: yeah and that's that they nominated a 12-year-old actress uh Ryan Kira Armstrong uh for worst actress she was in the reboot of uh Firestarter which is a Stephen King novel um the original one starred Drew Barrymore and this one stars Ryan Kira Armstrong and uh, Zach Efron. And a bunch of people said, you sh- you shouldn't do that to a 12-year-old. One, it could hurt her career. Yep. And two, uh, more importantly, when you're a kid, you don't always... You're still learning, right? And a, a lot of it is directorial or writing choices. And yep. you may not have the... There are some people, like Nick, uh, Nichelle Nichols, who could... Take any script and make it art. Um, (laughs) That takes years and years and years of practice and knowledge and
1: confidence,
0: confidence and fine tuning your craft. It's, you know, I'm sure there are 12 year olds out there who could do that. Um, But it's it's just not a very kind or nice thing to do. And I feel like that's a lot of the Razzies. I used to enjoy them, but I feel like
1: it's a little too mean spirited.
0: It's a little too mean spirited. Maybe it's a a product for a bygone era at this point.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree. Like the, the Razzies, like when it's done really tongue in cheek, like, like, oh, well, this didn't turn out the way you wanted it to. And it can be done in a lighthearted way. You can have fun with it. I mean, there have actually been actors who have shown up to the Razzies and accepted their award in person. And, and that and you know,
0: laugh and delight in it, but yeah,
1: because they're like, yeah, you're right, that was a stinker. Yeah, that was not my best work, and and uh, thank you for the award. And like you know, <laughs> they have fun with it, they own it. But yeah, it's different when you're a kid, and I think uh, there's no better way of thinking about this than to consider the the sad story of Jake Lloyd, who played Anakin Skywalker in the in the Phantom Menace, who
0: right? also got nominated for a Razzie.
1: Yeah, and. Don't get me wrong. I hated his performance. I hate it. I, I did not like laugh at that. I did not like the Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. I hated Jake Lloyd's performance in that movie. At no point did I blame him because mm-hmm. George Lucas is a terrible director. It's true. He's a bad director. When when your two directions are faster and more intense and that's it, you are a bad director. <laughs> I you
0: it it can work for some things uh, but it, de- it definitely it doesn't have ebbs and flows if that's what you're doing uh, macaulay Culkin also got had got nominated for three performances in 1995 when he was still a kid and yeah i get, so i think the bigger problem i have is that originally they the the runners of the razzies kind of said she's she's only 12 but she is an experienced actress and uh you know so because she also was in uh black widow and the tomorrow war uh but eventually they they removed her from the category and apologized just like last year they got rid of the worst category or the category of worst performance by bruce willis so like i kind of i kind of don't like that they got defensive at first i understand it but i i don't agree with it but I am glad that they are trying to make corrections when they realize that maybe something they've done is more harmful than funny.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I think being defensive, it's a natural reaction, one that you have to work to suppress. Uh, I know personally that's one of the things that I really struggle with. Like if, if I encounter someone being nasty to me on Twitter, uh, I have to I have to actively suppress my desire to fire back. Um, and, and I don't always succeed. And so I agree. Like, I wish that they had been able to withhold that initial response, but the fact that they're actually trying to make good on it now, I think speaks volumes. And I, I also agree. I think it just as crappy to dump on kids, like, just don't like, don't cause you know, it's not their fault most of the time when a performance is bad. It's that, you know, for whatever reason, the director was unable or unwilling to work with the kid to get a good performance out or whatever they wanted. And that to me just says that the director really has fallen far short of where they need to be.
0: Look, and there are certainly kids that have, there's certainly kids that have, you know, a, a huge amount of self-confidence and it can it can be hard to break through that, you know, um, kids c- can think that they are right above adults so easily. Um, but yeah, it's if you've got a good working team, then you can work through that.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, now we're getting to the news story. Believe it or not, this is the 40 minutes in. This is the news story <laughs> that was originally in the 30 seconds or less and we moved it up to news. And it's that Schmigadoon season two, which will begin in April, uh, is going to have the the characters who are stuck in musical world now transition into a world of musicals based around the 60s and 70s era musicals, namely Chicago.
0: So it's going to be called Schmicago.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so because the obviously the first one being Schmigadoon was a play on Brigadoon. Uh, mm-hmm. this one being a play on the the uh, the Chicago musical. I thought the reason why I thought we should move this over into full discussion is because one, I am delighted that they're from one season to the next, they're transitioning from one style of musical to a totally different style of musical. And also it makes me excited about what could potentially come in the future should there be subsequent seasons, of this show. And first up, let's kind of talk about the differences between the classic era of musicals, like the Rogers and Hammerstein era of musicals. And then what we started to get in the sixties and seventies. And so you think back on like the big musicals of the classic era, stuff like Brigadoon or my fair lady or the music man or MAME, or South Pacific, or Oklahoma, all these things—they're uh, these big, lush musicals that are mostly wholesome, or at least they mm-hmm. attempt to be wholesome in the middle. Like they're not very edgy. Most of these classic musicals, yes. you know, there's, there's obviously there's, there's conflict because without conflict, you have no story. But they're not edgy. The sixties, like the s-
0: romantic era of,
1: yes in the sixties and seventies decided to get way more edgy and, and kind of sleazy and dirty. So the, the, the sleazy era, uh, which oh, by the way, if that sounded weird, it's because my connection cut out right in the middle of my <laughs> long diatribe about the history of musicals. But the sleazy era is when we got things like Chicago, we got cabaret, which is a very dark musical. Uh, we, we started to get Sondheim's, work like early kind of dark and cynical work, which would continue on throughout most of his career. And um yeah, it's a very different sound and style and theme from the musicals that came before it uh, much more cynical than the kind of sincere musicals of the past. And so I suspect that's going to really inform season two of this show.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to, it too. I, I know like the fifties and sixties generation of musicals is outdated. There's a lot of, you know, old school lines of thought and storylines and plots in there, but I still really enjoy it as a product of its, of its day and time. Um, I I like, uh, Chicago a lot. Cabaret. It's interesting that you're like the, the era of the sixties and seventies was just kind of like grungier and, and grittier and more crass because like, Both two of two of the uh, musicals that you mentioned, Chicago and Cabaret, are not set in the 60s and 70s.
1: Well, no, but then a lot of the musicals from the classic era of musicals are set in like, you know, early 1900s, Music Man, Oklahoma, that kind of stuff.
0: That's true. I there are lots of 60s and 70s musicals I like. I, I can say like. I'm looking forward to the second season of, of Schmigadoon. I guess I'm looking forward to Chicago. I don't know if you can call it the second season of Schmigadoon. Uh, but I, I definitely, it's not my favorite era of, of musical. Personally. It's, it's
1: not my favorite, but there are some, like, I think Cabaret is brilliant. I think Chicago is entertaining. I don't think mm. it's brilliant. Um, I think, uh, you know, you get into things like Godspell, You know, you get into uh, some other stuff where like hair, you get into some musicals that are a little more psychedelic because that's also what you get in this era, right? Not just the sleazy grungy, but the psychedelic and the spiritual musicals start to rise in the sixties and seventies. And I wouldn't be surprised if some of that plays out. Like if they have a character who is kind of the hippie type character uh-huh. who is, is supposed to be sort of the stand in for all the spiritual musicals. I think that could be a lot of fun, but what this really has me excited for is that they're able to do a third series of the show, a third season of the show that will get the spectacle musical season, because you look at the eighties and my gosh, is it bombastic over the top special effects, huge sets, huge are you, casts.
0: Are you, are you saying this because of Starlight Express? I think that's 70s, but I could be wrong.
1: Well, technically, yeah, Starlight Express was toward the end of the 70s. But no, I'm thinking I am thinking about lo- a lot about Andrew Lloyd Webber. Like Andrew Lloyd <laughs> Webber owned the early 80s with like Phantom of the Opera and Cats. Mm-hmm. Goodness knows Cats dominated the discussion in musicals but for a I, while.
0: I actually like Cats. Um
1: I have seen Cats three times in theater, like as in the actual full musical. It is the first show I ever saw on Broadway. I never wanted to see it, and I've seen it three times.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I get—I like the spectacle musical. You know, one of the things I liked about seeing Beetlejuice over the summer was the stagecraft—that spectacle, right? Yeah. So um, I, I get that. I look forward to it too. Uh, it's interesting to me because we're getting. All of the characters, all the actors we loved, Cecily Strong, Keegan Muck Alan Cumming, you know, Jake Erkowski, Dove Cameron, all those people, Kristen Chenoweth and more, and Aaron Tvet. Uh to fight Tvite. fight. Thank you. But we are also getting Titus Burgess and Patrick Page. And <laughs> I
1: don't oh, I don't know getting... if either
0: of them would be the best hippie. Maybe Patrick Page.
1: We're getting, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh <laughs> a, a, a base. <laughs> hippie like not bass as in BASE i mean bass that guy yeah like so he was hades in Town in mm-hmm. the original cast and his voice he can go so low it is like it will rumble your seat that's how low yes. he can get yes. his voice to go um and he recently left the role of hades on broadway Uh, after after essentially being with that show with every iteration once it had started development all the way to going to Broadway. I could gush about him forever. Also, did you know that he, he married the woman who was the host of Trading Spaces on... Uh, TLC way back in the day, whose first name is Paige. So she's technically Paige, 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 Paige. I
0: didn't know that, but that is delightful. Um, I'm excited about Titus Burgess. I love him. I didn't know who he was until Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah. Um, but he
1: played he, is- uh, he played Sebastian the Crab in the Broadway version of Little Mermaid.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's said a bunch of stuff. He auditioned for The Lion King a bunch of times and I feel a little bit feel him there because I also auditioned for The Lion King. I did not get it. They were not looking for my type at all. Uh, it was the touring show. Uh, I wanted to be a hyena. That didn't happen. Uh, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, <laughs>
1: She's totally over it now.
0: I'm totally over it now. I mean, everything in my, you know, you have experiences in life and they always lead up to where you are now and I'm happy where I am now. I love the life I've had so far and I look forward to everything in the future so that's just a a wonderful cool experience in the long list of experiences I've had that being said if they don't get to the Julie Taymor era of musicals within this series and they don't bring Titus Burgess back for the Lion King I will be sorely disappointed
1: yeah well think about it like this opens up so many other like I never thought that this was how they were going to go Uh first firstly because that whole classic era of musicals there's so many you could touch on. Like they, they obviously took inspiration from the biggest names in those, those musicals, but there are a lot of other ones that are out there that they could have tapped into as well. So the idea of going forward in that and potentially doing it again, and maybe even again means that, like three seasons from now, we can look forward to the jukebox musical version of Schmigadoon.
0: <laughs> yeah. Which will come with a whole host of technical ramifications that they have to work through. Um, I, I'm i I'm delighted because honestly, I wasn't sure when Schmigadoon came out, if we were only going to get one season,
1: you know, yeah, like because
0: yeah. some shows, some shows are built that way. It's like, we have this fun idea, but it's a mini series because, mm-hmm. That's all we've got. So I'm I'm so delighted. Uh, I you know I absolutely love. I'm I'm still missing Galavant. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, I actually bought that on DVD so that I could watch it whenever I wanted to. I
0: I love that show so much, um, and I'm really looking forward to it. And also also to have to get go into Chicago into that 60s and 70s era with Alan Cumming on your cast. How perfect.
1: I mean, I saw Ellen coming in, uh, cabaret, cabaret, and so uh, yeah, uh, I, I will forever be kicking myself that I wasn't sitting on an aisle where he came out and picked people to dance with, and I couldn't dance with Ellen coming on stage at Broadway.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. I sad. have a friend. I have a friend who has done a few fundraiser things with him, and she always talks very highly of him. That's cool. Yeah,
1: uh, I, I'm also very curious to see his his character in the show Traitors. The reality show murder mystery thing that oh we my talked goodness.
0: about. I don't even know what, like, I still don't know what to think about that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, for one thing, he's speaking in his normal, his actual accent, it's which is, you're Scottish, like, Scottish, right? What? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, well, you know, you're really looking forward to Chicago. And now I know because there's a new trailer out that has completely addressed all of our concerns <laughs> for. Ah. The live action Dungeons and Dragons movie. So you're looking forward to that now, too. Right, Ariel?
0: Uh, more than you. Um,
1: <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Probably everybody is looking forward to it more than I am.
0: So uh, Jonathan watched this new trailer before I did. It was like, am I just losing my sense of humor? They, I know they put jokes in here, but they just aren't very funny to me. And when I watched it, I agreed that the jokes that they put in there were not funny taken out of context i could see how they might be humorous in a story where i have already learned the characters and i am in the middle of their journey with them but i i do feel like this trailer taking those jokes out of context made it not funny that being said i i am really looking forward to um renee sean page and um gosh uh justice Smith. I, I do like their, um, banter back and forth in the, in the trailer. I think justice Smith looks like the most fun character so far.
1: I I don't know.
0: Is that, did I get his name right?
1: <laughs> Maybe I honestly, at this point I've given up on this movie. Yes, so. I did. <laughs> um, I, so, so there's one gag it's, it's at the end of the trailer, right? And that's, you want people when they're seeing the trailer, you want that last shot to be your, your, your hook that's definitely Mm going to hook them to come and see the movie. And the gag is that you have a character who's explaining that the path forward has this uh, massive trap associated with it. And they have to be very careful. And meanwhile, in the background, you see that one of the characters is moving forward, takes one step onto this bridge, the whole bridge collapses. And then the guy's like, I triggered the mechanism or I think I may have triggered the mechanism. And I'm like, it's an old, old joke. You see it coming from a mile away because we've seen movies before. (laughs) If you, if D and D is your first movie first, I'm sorry. And second, maybe it'll surprise you, but otherwise it won't. And I couldn't even muster up a chuckle.
0: I mean, again, it, it fell a little flat. I, I look more forward to seeing certain people play the characters in their play that they're playing. Like uh, Chris Pine playing a rogue than I, or, Whatever he's playing, bard, a bard, yeah, uh, which is brilliant. You know, he was also the prince in in the movie version of Once Upon uh uh, uh Into, Into the, the woods. woods. Ha! The the like the the theatrical movie, not the Bernadette Peters, uh, brilliant, filmed brilliant stage version. Yeah. yeah. Um. So like, I look forward to seeing them in those characters. The storyline hasn't grabbed me. The jokes don't look great. I'm still gonna see it if I can go in expecting nothing. I'm hoping it'll le- at least hit uh, Van Helsing level of entertainment for me.
1: No, yeah, I mean, I think it could definitely hit Van Helsing level quality.
0: You, listen, I enjoy that movie. Okay <laughs> I, I <love> it. <laughs> and, and it all goes it all it all comes down to what expectations I set going in to see a movie.
1: Well let's talk about a totally different trailer we also saw this week which is for a very different kind of movie. And that was the trailer for She Came From the Woods.
0: Because it's not a week unless Jonathan makes me watch a horror
1: trailer. (laughs) Now, to be fair, I feel like this horror movie is almost like a horror comedy or maybe a horror with some comedic elements to it because it opens like it's wet, hot American summer.
0: It does. But you see, okay, so I have thoughts on this and this is exactly where my thoughts are. They're playing it like it should be a, a wet, hot American summer horror. Like it, it should be a, a, a dark comedy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't look funny at all. They play fun, happy music, but there's no humor in the trailer to me. Just because they try to set that tone, like none of the scripting leads to that for me.
1: I mean, you got the little kid who's being very rude to the counselor as the kids (laughs) walking along on crutches. Uh, So like there's there's like some stuff there where I'm like, I think I see where they're going. Maybe the trailer is trying to lean into that too hard and it's trying to make it into something that's not kind of like how like when I think of trailers that ended up being a bad representation or maybe ultimately a good representation of the movie. Uh, Suicide squad, the not the James Gunn one, but the first one is one I think about where like, because the trailer got a big reaction, they actually, the studio went back and recut the film to be more Mm -hmm. like the trailer, which did not do the movie any favors. Um, And we've seen other movies where, the trailer that you get is not necessarily a good representation of the film. In some cases it's because the film itself is very hard to market. Like it's, how do you market this movie? And you may just have to be like, well, we're going to have to do a bait and switch because we can't market it the way it is. And maybe that's the case with this one. Um, but yeah, it didn't, it didn't look well, it didn't look particularly scary to me.
0: I mean, we've, so the kid on crutches wasn't really funny to me. And, and maybe I'm having the reaction you had to the D&D trailer with this because, yeah, they started it. And the way that it was edited and the way that it was scored felt like it should have some funny punches in there. Uh, at the very least, Cabin uh, cabin in the Woods.
1: She came from the woods.
0: No, I'm saying at least similar to Cabin in the Woods.
1: Oh, gotcha, 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 gotcha.
0: Um, which was very scary, but also had some very funny self-referential moments in it.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but it was written just like Friday the 13th. Like, yeah, there were bratty kids, but in any camp horror story, which we've had many, you know, children's camp is a great place to set a serial killer or a scary ghost or whatever. That's why people tell ghost stories at them. I've never been to a children's camp, like a, a sleepover camp like that. But... Um, you know, it's it's a big part of it. It just it felt just like a horror movie. Would there? It didn't feel like they actually put in any jokes. They just putting to
1: me. To me, it what it felt like was at least the trailer. I, the trailer felt like what the trailer was trying for was wet hot American summer meets Blair Witch Project. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I came away from. I didn't think it did either successfully. <laughs> I didn't think that. I didn't think it was coming across funny enough to be a comedy, and it didn't look. It didn't look inventive enough to be an interesting horror movie. It might be a very good version of what it is, which Mm -hmm. looks like kind of a, you know, a ghost in the woods or some supernatural force in the woods, stalking camp counselor movies. And as you say, Ariel, we have had a whole bunch of these over the years. Yeah. The eighties had like 30 of these movies. (laughs) So, um, I don't know if it's going to do anything new with the formula to make it stand out. Uh, it yeah. may just end up being a decent version of that kind of story.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think it really nails the the super scary horror or the very funny, Was... dark comedy kind of stuff.
0: Quite In the last... Yet. Yeah. In the last 10 years, wasn't there... I know I watched this. There was like some horror comedy that came out that was about like a theater summer camp. That was kind of funny.
1: And I don't remember. I don't think I've seen it's that like, one. It was
0: like a B level movie. I'll have to, if anybody out there knows what it is uh, good on you. If you Th- want to know, you can write us and I'll look it A theater camp horror movie? Uh, yes. Uh, hey, uh, riff for a bit. Cause I'm going to look, look it up. Uh,
1: okay. Well, I'll just say that theater camp is a horror all by itself. And you don't need anything else on top of it other than a bunch of theater kids all in a camp at the same time, because that's going to get scary in ways you don't anticipate
0: stage fright was the name of it
1: i had not heard of this movie i'll have to look it up now
0: it it uh starred ali mcdonald douglas smith mini driver Meat Loaf, and brandon Euroanowitz or whatever wow so it this was, must be
1: from several years ago
0: it's from 2014 yeah so i said about 10 years ago it's really dumb it's not a good movie it's like a b movie but it it was entertaining This I think because I saw that, that's what I wanted She Came From the Woods to be from the opening uh, riff, and that's not what it was. Uh, Speaking of trailers that are successful or not, did you think this Shazam 2 trailer was successful? Uh,
1: I wrote in the notes that I said, I think this trailer is better than the first one in the sense that it gives me a little bit of a better appreciation of what is going on in the second movie beyond just shots of people turning into their heroic versions and then going all Mm -hmm. PS4 battle scene, um, which we've seen a billion times, both in DC and in Marvel. Marvel is really guilty of this. We've talked about it, how Marvel movies often can be really entertaining. And then you get to the last fight and it all kind of just turns into a video game. Um, That was the problem I had with the first Shazam trailer. First, first, trailer for Shazam 2. I can't say the first Shazam trailer, but, uh, but yeah, this one I felt gave us a little bit more about the conflict going on and about how Billy is, is struggling with what is in front of him. And I appreciated this trailer more. It still doesn't make me want to watch the movie. I watched the first one and I thought it was fine. Um, as for DC standards, I thought it was great because <laughs> yeah. it, because compared to other DC movies, it was joyful, but, um, Halfway.
0: Yeah. It was halfway joyful.
1: It, well, if you compare it to the stuff that came before it, you compare it to Batman versus Superman. It was, it was positively a day at the state fair compared Exception to that. of like
0: the villain eating people's heads off
1: day at the state fair with a Pez <laughs> dispenser. So, um, <laughs> But yeah, this this one I thought was a better trailer. I I don't it's not going to get me into the theater to see it, Uh, which is unfortunate because, again, this is definitely one of those movies that's going to benefit from the theatrical experience Mm -hmm. uh, because there's a lot of spectacle involved. But as I get older, spectacle is not enough to tempt me into the theater.
0: I I get it. I I will say for this trailer for me, I I found Shazam one. very the first shazam it's not shazam one (laughs) uh uneven some of it was Mm -hmm. delightful and funny and some of it was super dark and so i was like who is this for but uh but the second one looks a little bit more evenly balanced um i think going into it knowing how the first one was i'll enjoy it more I, i agree i i think it's it looks a little bit better to me than the first one um I also see how if they were going to take this movie to wrap up the Shazam storyline, how they could do it, um, which gave me this random thought as I was watching the trailer of like, well, Javis Gunn is coming in, which means Shazam's probably going away. They haven't, I don't think they've announced it yet, but, you know, we're all expecting that. But that's got to be a good thing because the kids who play Billy and, and everybody else aren't going to be kids much longer. Yeah. And then what do you do? Do you recast them? Because yeah. part of the whole shtick of Shazam is that half of it is a kid.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like the the, the character of Billy Batson can turn into this incredibly like Superman level powerful hero uh, by harnessing the power of the gods. Mm-hmm. And yeah, if you if you if you're not a kid anymore, then that takes away a major part of what was identifying factor for the comic book, but yeah, we'll, um, we'll have to see. Like, I don't, I honestly, uh, I'm not sure if I saw anything yet about there not being another Shazam, but I want to say that I did see something like that. If I didn't, then it's just because I anticipate that's what's happening.
0: I mean, people have been speculating. I, I honestly, uh, the past couple of weeks haven't kept up with all of the DC news that's coming out. Yeah. Other than other than the the thing that Doom Patrol got canceled and that James Gunn is like, hey guys, I get it. That decision was made before me. Uh
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because when you watch Doom Patrol, it feels like a very James Gunn-ish kind of series. Like it's yeah. got a lot of the same sort of humor and and edge to it that James Gunn projects typically have. Mm-hmm. You watch doom patrol and you watch you know uh uh peacemaker and you're like yeah these two things feel like they could exist in the same universe
0: mm-hmm. yeah which uh i'm interested to see what happens after season two of peacemaker
1: yeah um, yeah no no do- no joke that's a no doke no dope. <laughs> no joke. i'm bringing no it dope. back
0: look no it's dope. because you're you're thinking of our next uh, the next thing we want to talk about which is we have a ghost trailer and joke is between joke and ghost.
1: That's true. <laughs> and you never want to joke between a ghost. It's just, it's rude. Yeah. Uh, and yeah you so get
0: ectoplasm everywhere.
1: We have a ghost is, <laughs> is a film. That's a, a comedy drama film. And it involves a family moving into a house and finding out that that house is haunted by the ghost of David Harbor. And, <laughs> And then finding out that the ghost is not necessarily a malevolent ghost doesn't really know why it's a ghost doesn't have much memory, can't speak. So unfortunately we won't. I wonder if David Harbor was paid scale for this because he doesn't have any lines. Um, Uh, I am
0: certain that he was because if you (laughs) look, if you don't have to have lines to be paid scale, I'm just going to say that you can still be a, a a main or supporting character or co-star, And just not have lines. It depends on how your role factors into the story.
1: Yeah. So he's um, obviously a a central part of this. And the feeling I got from this trailer was like, take, take a a ghost story and combine it with Harry and the Hendersons. And you kind of have, we have a ghost.
0: Yeah. It looks fun and dorky, but it looks fun. And I'm going to take that back. He's definitely getting paid above scale. You know, he is,
1: um, (laughs) Well, and the trailer shows that like the world finds out that ghosts exist because the family is posting videos of the ghost and everything. And yeah. that brings in government folks who are there to try and uh, capture the ghost. And meanwhile, they're the, the kids are wanting to help the ghost. And it's it, which is why I think it's very Harry and the Hendersons or ET. Like mm-hmm. it feels like it it's falling into those kinds of stories yeah. where it's, it's kids trying to help someone or something That is uh, that is outside the realm of normal for humans. And then the government is is the bad guy that's coming in to try and capture the unique thing. Uh, Also, this is where we get to see Captain America versus the Red Guardian for the first time.
0: Is it versus? Is well, it I mean, actually versus
1: Anthony Mackie uploads of it appears that Anthony Mackie uploads a video of the ghost, which causes lots of problems. So you could say it is.
0: OK, maybe maybe it's team up, but also also in this movie supporting cast, Jennifer Coolidge and Tignataro. So, yeah, uh, uh, a I whole once, bunch I, of different comedic stylings altogether.
1: I once passed by Tignataro. <laughs> Are hall. you sure?
0: you sure it wasn't just our friend Lena because she does remind me of her a little bit.
1: No, it was Tignataro. She, she was in our uh, office at uh, Ponce city market, which we no longer are in Ponce city market, Very cool. but she was there to do an interview. I think with the stuff you should know guys. And uh, I passed by her as I was walking out to go get lunch. and didn't, didn't want to interrupt her. Didn't want to, uh, you know, throw her off or anything didn't want to bother her so i just very quietly passed by didn't say anything but yeah that was my brush with tignataro
0: <laughs> i am um, i'm i'm really sad that there is not another season of under a rock with tignataro i love just she has such an amazing um dry sense of humor
1: yeah and the fact That's that so she's inviting. never seen anything uh, just makes yeah. it so funny when she's interviewing people. She has no idea who they are, but, yeah. but it's not in like that insulting Larry King kind of way. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have a ghost. I thought it looked, I thought the trailer looked cute and I will watch it when it comes out on Netflix.
0: I will watch it too. First, I'm going to watch you people and then I'm going to watch, we have a ghost. Um, <laughs> One of those is out already.
1: And our last story is a feel good story because an audience who went to see a special screening of The Mummy, we're not talking about the Tom Cruise one, we're talking about the one with Brendan Fraser, We're treated to a surprise guest, that being Brendan Fraser himself, who came to the theater and addressed the audience, which was really cool and was really sweet about how the that film really gave him lots of opportunities and the fact that it has a special connection with the UK.
0: Yeah, which is where they filmed it. He showed up in costume; it was adorable. You know, this is this is a guy who I think when he showed up, the nominations for Oscars had already come out, um, and so you get nominated for an Oscar, and then you just go show up at a little showing of a movie you did in the '90s. That's just the coolest thing to me.
1: Yeah, uh, I I thought it was really a nice treat, and the fact that like he still embraces. Uh, this movie, which, you know, I think is it's easy to say it's a fan favorite film like people mm-hmm. love and for good reason it is an entertaining adventure movie. We don't we don't get a lot of those like we get yeah. a lot of like mediocre adventure movies, but we don't get a lot of really entertaining ones. And uh, the mummy definitely was able to kind of straddle the line between comedy, adventure Uh, horror. Like it had a lot of these Mm -hmm. different genres that were all kind of part of the movie. In fact, Brendan Fraser talks about that when he's in front of the crowd. He says, yeah, how do you even market a movie like that when you can't even classify it? Uh, But yeah, but you know, the fact that he's still very happy and uh, humble about all that is really cool, you know, as opposed to like occasionally you get actors who don't want to acknowledge stuff they did earlier on in their careers that maybe help propel them to greater stardom but perhaps they're not super jazzed about like it's not like it's you know awards worthy or whatever
0: I, I mean it could be um i mean but we talked about last week how he would love to be in in some more mummy movies so maybe this is just a way of him drumming up interest and, and trying to get that social push behind it uh which if so very smart
1: yeah could be uh You know, I honestly don't know. He has a very, he has a very practical way of looking at the, uh, the business of show, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you listen to interviews with him, he has a very pragmatic kind of point of view of how all that works. So you could very well be on the money with that, that, uh, assertion.
0: Yeah. Uh, but you know, that's all the, that's all the things we got to talk about
1: yeah this was a really Uh, long episode because we had the little little glitch in the middle
0: well you better take that out
1: well i'm gonna take it out like i just i don't know how bad it is yet (laughs) like i won't know till i download the clips and then i'll be like well i'm gonna be spending 45 minutes just trying to get these (laughs) these these two halves of the show to line up
0: well uh I appreciate you doing that, Jonathan. And if you all out there appreciate Jonathan doing that as well, uh, you should write him and tell him. How can they write you and tell you this week, Jonathan?
1: Well, first, you'll be walking down a rainy street. It'll be nighttime. There'll be a little reflection of neon in a puddle. And if you look down at that neon reflection, you'll see that the sign that had said Harry Bowes Roadhouse in reverse upside down in neon says speak quietly and I shall hear. And that is when you just whisper out the thing you were thinking and it will find its way to me.
0: If you don't trust that method, you can also write us uh, on Twitter. We're LNC underscore podcast on Instagram, Facebook and Discord. We're Large Nerdron Collider. Uh, if you were in the pool for us getting an a email this week, you were almost right, but not quite. Um, but if you do need a Discord invite, let me know, and I'll pop another one up on our website, collider, which has our show notes for this year on it. Um, yeah.
1: Well, then I guess it's time to sign off.
0: I guess it is. Oh, if you like us, share us with your friends. Rate, review, all that fun jazz. Yes. Now it's time to sign off.
1: <laughs> and until next time, I am Jonathan Harry Bowes Roadhouse Strickland.
0: <laughs> and I am Ariel. Caston.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the Large Nerdron Collider was created by Ariel Caston and produced, edited, published, deleted, undeleted, published again, cursed at, by Jonathan Strickland. Music by Kevin McLeod of incomptech.com.